Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Thank you so much for joining us on this special edition of the Good Fight Radio Show, where we will be interviewing Micah Wilder, who is concerning his new book, and he's coming out with this new book very soon. It's actually, you can pre-order it right now, and the book is titled Passport to Heaven, the true story of a zealous Mormon missionary who discovers the Jesus he never knew. So we want to welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, Micah Wilder. Welcome, Micah. Thank you, Chad. Great to be here. Well, you know what? I'm excited, brother, because as I had told you before, I actually missed the time you came and spoke at our church, and I was pretty upset about it because I was out in Texas speaking, and I told, as I told Tony before, I said, man, I miss probably two church services a year, and I was sitting there running all the social media stuff and commenting, and I look, and I'm like, wait a second. I've, I've seen this guy speak before. I've watched this guy's testimony. How did I miss this? And I was so, so excited to just honestly hear your testimony, know you were speaking at our church. And and guys, if you don't know, Adams Road Ministries, and I'm sure you're going to be talking about it, they go around and they actually share all over the country the testimony of what happened to not only not only our brother Micah here, but everyone, I guess, in your guys' group, a bunch of ex-Mormons coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And I really want to talk about that because I want people to know about that and hear about that. And if you guys get a chance to invite them to your church, I know that it was special for our fellowship. I think everyone was just beyond excited. And one of the cool things is, is now we get to say, hey, there's actually a book now that you can read over on this and get even deeper into the testimonies that you guys share. And I'm and I'm more than blessed by it. And I'm excited to talk about Passport to Heaven today. So I guess the best way to start is let's just get going in this testimony. All right. You write in your book that you grew up a devout in a devout Mormon family in the Midwest. You know, just what was your family life like? What was your spiritual life like as a child? And what are some of the ways that you encountered God? Yeah, so growing up in a very devout Mormon home uh, in Indiana, my parents had actually converted to Mormonism before uh, I was born and the rest of my siblings. And uh, we were very faithful in attending church every week. Uh, we would read the scriptures together. Uh, we would uh, be faithful in our church duties and and really try to live out the tenets of our faith, um, both you know within our family and you know, in our community. And so um, I was a very, I, I personally was a very devoted Mormon. Um, I was very much like Saul of Tarsus, where I had this kind of zeal to establish a righteousness before God. And I believe that the way to establish that righteousness was through my faithfulness and adherence to the commandments and the ordinances of Mormonism. Wow. You know, and one of the cool things, and what we're going to be talking about once again is the book. And I got a chance to read an early copy of this, and it is just such an absolute blessing. But I thought it was really interesting because people talk about, hey, you know, I grew up in this religion or that religion, but you were steeped in Mormonism. In fact, your mom was a professor at Brigham Young University. Is that right? And I mean, with your mom being a professor there and growing up in like the epicenter of Mormonism in Utah, I mean, did you grow even stronger in your Mormon faith at that time? Oh, most definitely. So going into my freshman year of high school, my family and I moved to Utah. My mother got a job 
uh, as a professor at BYU. And so I went from being one of just a few Mormons in my community to uh, a community that was about 98% uh, LDS or Mormon. And so every facet and every aspect of my life became so deeply rooted in my religious identity as a Mormon. And so what that did for me personally was it, it really drove me to kind of stand out amongst my peers. And so I, 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 as much as I was zealous for Mormonism previous to moving to Utah, it, it was accentuated a thousand times uh, after I moved there. And so, and it wasn't just this outward zeal, it was actually an inward, you know, spiritual testimony. I, I truly was convicted and believed that the Mormon church was everything that it claimed to be and that my, my religious leaders taught me. And so I had this kind of, you know, spiritual testimony that was rooted in the core tenets of this religious belief system. And, uh, and I wanted my whole life to be devoted to serving God through Mormonism. Well, I mean, I, I think it, it is really good for people to hear this because people think that maybe every single Mormon is just outwardly, but it seemed like you were actually believing like, Hey, this, I think this is true. I, I, I truly believe it. And, you know, a lot of people, when I speak with Mormons, one of the things I do love asking is their testimony, and I like sharing mine, and then going back to truth. But, you know, there is that talk, and I wanted to just quickly ask you concerning maybe like what, what I guess Christians would say this in terms of their questioning or an apologetic, but also I've had plenty of Mormons that I've talked to that talk about this burning in the bosom that they feel. Was this something that maybe you prayed and, and seek and actually felt like you had a, a burning in the bosom, so to speak, a moment concerning Mormonism, whether or not it was true? Yeah, so so when I was raised to Mormonism, I was taught that truth was tested by feelings, right? So a witness of the Holy Spirit confirming the truthfulness of Mormonism came through this, as you mentioned, like a burning in the bosom, right? It was a, it was a feeling that confirmed what we were being taught. And so I, I would very um, readily admit that I had numerous experiences of, of this burning in the bosom, right? Of this spiritual testimony that was confirming to me uh, the aspects of Mormonism. And so it, it was more than just a cultural thing for me. It was actually a spiritual thing for me. But of course, the problem at that time of my life was I was not fulfilling John's request in 1 John 4 to test the spirits to see whether they are from God. I was confirming my truth with feelings rather than testing my feelings with the word of God. And so for that reason, I believe that I was, you know, deceived at that point in my life and that I was being deceived by a deceiving spirit that was confirming things to me that I was not testing against scripture. And one of the things I do love, uh, Micah, is when looking at your testimony, not only in this book, but also hearing your testimony over and over. And one of the things you might be noticing right away as he's speaking is that he always brings it back to Scripture. And I do love that. One of my favorite things, when I first heard your testimony, I believe you did a testimony in San Jacinto. And mm -hmm. I remember watching it and I'm like, you're not just giving me a testimony. You're sharing the Scriptures and the reality of them through a newborn life. And I was just absolutely blessed by that. So every time he brings a scripture, I'm just completely blessed. And I wanted to also bring out, you know, in, in Passport to Heaven, you talk about specifically when it came to your Mormon mission. And, and a lot of people may know when someone's knocking at your door, typically the two elders, so to speak, that are at your door, these Mormon missionaries, they're typically on this, this two-year mission that they all go to. And I know you talk about in Passport to Heaven how I believe you were prophesied over. Is that is that right about where you were supposed to go? But then you ended up somewhere else. And I'd love for you to tell about that a little bit. And also just tell about what goes in preparing for uh, the Mormon mission that you're sent out on. 
Yeah, so after you graduate from high school as a young man in the Mormon church, you are basically expected to go on a two-year mission. I wouldn't say it's required, but uh, it's certainly this cultural and religious expectation. And so uh, there, there's a lot of spiritual uh, prep work that goes into this process, a lot of reading the scriptures. For me personally, I was, uh, I was working in the Mormon temple. I was reading the Book of Mormon every single day. I was, you know, I discarded kind of my secular lifestyle, my secular music, and really tried to immerse myself and spirituality, trying to, you know, prepare myself to be worthy, right, of this endeavor of going out and serving on this two-year mission. Now, as you're preparing for this process, the unique thing about it is that you don't get to choose where the church sends you. So you have this two-year commitment that you're asked to give seven days a week, 365 days a week, year, but you don't get a say in where you serve this two-year mission. And so originally, the calling that came from the headship of the Mormon church to me was that I was going to serve my mission in Mexico City, Mexico. Um, but amazingly, my mission call was changed, and that's kind of a, a story in the book that I'll, I'll leave for that. But my mission call ended up getting changed to Orlando, Florida because of some health problems. And looking back now, I can see so clearly the hand of God in my life because it was during my two-year mission in Orlando, Florida, that God placed people uh, and circumstances in my life that ultimately led me to the truth of the gospel. Yeah, it is amazing, and I don't want to bury any leads. I do want to encourage you guys to check out Passport to Heaven. It is such a blessing, and you really do. I, I'm re I really do feel for you in a lot of these situations that you end up in. And I love the way the book is written when you go into a lot of the details there about some of the some of the ways you were feeling inwardly concerning where you were at conversion wise, and and it, and it bounced around in a good way. I, I really love the way the book is written, and it really does keep you just enthralled and wanting to learn more. And I, and I love that. And I think one of one of the good questions I'd love to ask you. So you said you got sent over to Florida. Right. And now when it comes to Mormon missionaries, people may not know, you know, what it's like to go door to door. I know like as a fellowship, we like to do door to door ministry. In fact, we had an entire door to door ministry that we were supposed to do in terms of going out and sharing the gospel locally. And literally it was planned for April of 2020. And you guys know what happened with COVID. So it got did get canceled. But I think a lot of people have no idea what goes into Mormons, how you guys are accepted when you go and knock on a door and so forth. So what is it What is it that you, you the reception, I guess, would be the best way to ask? How are you received when you're knocking on random people's doors and trying to talk to them about the LDS church? Yeah, I, I learned very quickly, in fact, the first day of my mission, that uh, it was not an easy experience. Um, and there's a lot of rejection that goes along with doing, you know, door-to-door -door evangelism like we were doing. And I actually use that as a point to really con commend uh, the young men and women who have that type of zeal um, and, and the young men and women that sacrifice so much to go on these Mormon missions. You know, I, I, I know that they're zealous for God. They're just ignorant in that zeal as I was. And so um, I'll speak to that and say that a lot of people really mistreated us as Mormon missionaries. I mean, I had people uh, throw bottles at my head. I had people uh, pull guns on us, let dogs loose on us. I, I had people try to run me over uh, with their cars. And so a lot of people, uh, when we were going door to door, did not treat us with kindness. Most of them would kind of yell at us or swear at us and slam the door in our face. Um, and I did actually encounter a lot of Christians on my mission or, or supposed Christians. And one of the most common responses that I got from Christians when I was going door to door in Florida was, well, we're Christians, we know the Lord, and you guys are in a cult and you're going to hell. Now get off my doorstep and never come back. And then they'd <laughs> slam the door in our face. And I, I just remember how 
negative of an impact that made in my life and ha- and how I would walk away from those homes and just kind of say to myself, well, if that's what a Christian is, then I don't want anything to do with it. And so I think it was a life lesson for me to realize that that our call as Christ followers is to engage people with truth, but to to share the truth in love, right? And in 1 Corinthians 16, let everything that you do be done with love. And so if we're not sharing the gospel with love in our hearts, with compassion, with gentleness, with respect, as we're called to do in scripture, um, then we're not fulfilling our purpose. And so I think that that was a lesson that I learned being on the other side of the fence. So now as a, as a Christ follower, when I do engage, say with Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses or other people, that I recognize the way that I was treated and I don't want to to duplicate that mistake, you know, when I'm engaging with them. Wow, what a, I mean, I could not give that more of a hearty amen. And I, I do believe some of the times it is such ignorance. And I think interviews like this and books like Passport to Heaven by Michael Wilder, I think these things are important for us Christians to read and say, wait a second, you know, I was deceived at some point. I'm sure that many of us have been deceived in in some way, and most of us here that are listening right now are converts. At one point, we were deceived. At one point, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. So it is good to recognize that and then want to share. And then when you see, as 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 I've said, you really are, it's wonderful to hear your testimony because you are a trophy of God's grace, and it's such a beautiful thing to hear. And so I want to get in more of the details about how that conversion, I guess, started and took place. And I guess a lot of it starts uh, with a Baptist preacher, a Baptist pastor, I'm sorry, that you had visited. So maybe you give the background a little bit about, you went to this Baptist pastor. What were you going there for? You went to a church service. What, what are you doing there? Well, I— uh- in our zeal, I think our, our ultimate goal was to convert uh, this Baptist pastor and his congregation, and, and that sounds kind of uh, overzealous, and it was, um, but you have to understand where we were coming from. I mean, we believed that we had the exclusive truth, right, that we had the fullness of the gospel and the only way to eternal life, right, the only authority uh, to perform the necessary ordinances for salvation, and we believed that that came through the Mormon church, and so uh, we went to this Baptist church and engaged with a Baptist minister trying to convince him, right, and reason with him and show him that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was, in fact, God's true and established church on the earth, and only through its authority could a person have eternal life in the presence of God. And so this zeal ended up leading me to having a, a, a you know, face-to-face meeting with him. My Mormon mission companion and I sat face-to-face uh, with this Baptist pastor. His name was Alan Benson. He was probably in his mid-30s at the time. And, uh, and that experience uh, began... Uh, was well, it was really the catalyst that that set my life uh, in motion that would change the trajectory of everything that I had ever known and loved. I mean, that's that's just incredible. And in fact, one of the chapters that is called in, in chapter eleven, I believe, it specifically mentions something he challenged you with in that meeting when you started talking to him. And I'd love for you to to kind of get into that and. I know you, when it comes to your testimony, I, I don't want to bury any leads before you get to say it, because reading this book, I'm kind of excited, and I, I want to tell everybody about it, but I'd love Micah, in his own words, to talk, talk about some of the challenges maybe that he gave to you concerning what your beliefs were and how maybe you were reading the scriptures. Yeah, so the, the first thing that was really unique about Pastor Benson was the way that he engaged with us, and so his... His response to us and his engagement with us was very different, right? It was it was very contradictory to what I was accustomed to, right? Which was kind of what I explained earlier, whereas many Christians would kind of just push us off to the side or they'd slam the door in our face or they wouldn't give us the time of day. But Pastor Benson really uh, opened up 
his heart to us. He, he was very loving. He was very compassionate. He treated us, you know, with kindness and gentleness and respect and, um, and allowed us, you know, to have an engagement with him. Uh, ultimately, this led him to sharing the gospel with me, uh, which I honestly had never heard at that point in my life as a 19-year-old Mormon missionary. I mean, I never grew up hearing the biblical saving gospel as I now know it. And, uh, and the challenge that he gave me after sharing the gospel with me was he, he invited me to simply go home and to read the Bible like a child, to read the New Testament through the eyes of a child. And I think that what he meant by that was to remove my preconceived notions, to remove my presuppositions about what I believe truth to be according to what I was taught by my parents and my religious leaders, and just to approach God's word with humility, right? To, to approach it at face value and to trust God through his word to teach me truth through the Holy Spirit. And, um, and so that was the invitation that I was given. And, and what's amazing about that invitation, it, it's so simple, but it's so profound. And, and it's amazing how for 15 years, I've been giving that same invitation to, to thousands of people all over the world, regardless of where they are in their walk with Christ. And that is to simply read the Bible like a child. And um, that was really the catalyst that, that set uh, my conversion in motion because I ended up accepting his challenge and beginning that process as a Mormon missionary. So you start reading the Bible for the first time with, you've taken off the LDS lenses and you're looking at it as a child. How long did it take you when reading the Bible in that way, as you said, coming to it humbly and just saying, what, do you, what does your word say, God? What, is, what are you really trying to say in your word? How long was it before you started to realize that, that the doctrines in the Mormon church did not, I guess, fit the same thing that you were reading in Scripture? Yeah. Well, the ironic part about it is that when I began the process, I didn't do it with a childlike humility. I actually was reading it in arrogance because I believed that reading the New Testament was going to solidify my testimony in Mormonism, and then I would go back to Pastor Benson and prove him wrong. Um, so at some point, though, as I read the New Testament time and again, my, my heart started to change, and the Word of God started to soften me. And uh, I actually ended up reading the New Testament um, from beginning to end 12 times throughout the course of my two-year mission. So it was about 20 months or so uh, that I had left of this two-year uh, mission trip, and, uh, and I read the New Testament 12 times. And I, I, I say that is not as a testament to my goodness, but to the goodness of God, because it kind of shows my stubbornness and my pride that it took me reading the Bible 12 times uh, for the message to finally get through. Um, but... I, Listen, one of the emphasis of my testimony in our ministry for many years has been the power of the Word of God. And I think that one of the, the most tragic things that we see in, in the church today is that too many people are taking for granted the Word of God and in ministry, in our personal lives, not realizing that the Word of God can change people. And, and the gospel is the power of God into salvation to everyone who believes. And it was me as a Mormon missionary by at my desk every morning reading the New Testament that God changed my life. And he opened my eyes and he revealed to me the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward me in Christ Jesus. And he showed me the sufficiency of what Christ Jesus had done on my behalf through his sacrificial offering on the cross. And that message, um, it changed my life. I mean, it, 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 gave me the very thing that I had been searching for my entire life, the very thing that I was trying to earn by my religious obedience to Mormonism. And that was, I, I could finally see through the word of God that in Christ, I could have 
forgiveness and I could have the assurance of knowing that I stood in right standing with God, independent of any religious system or authority, but totally dependent on the work of Christ alone. And that by grace through faith, I could be saved. And, um, and through that message and through the word of God delivered me, I was born again uh, at the end of my Mormon mission. That's just absolutely incredible. And I'll start it back with the Word of God, the deutimus, right? The dynamite power, as it says in Romans one sixteen. And, you know, when it comes to faith, faith comes by hearing, hearing the words of Christ. And you heard those things. And I love it because you're wearing that shirt. And I know what it says, even though I can only see the top. It says, Jesus is enough. Is that right? Yeah. And it's it was so awesome when I when I came home from Texas after missing you guys speak I just saw all these people, including my own son and a, and a few of his friends, all wearing these shirts, Jesus is enough. And that was just such a blessing. And I'm like, what a profound and simplistic saying. And I, I, I'm, I'm sure people can get those at Adam's Road Ministry on your guys' website. We could probably put a link yeah. in the description here because I, I just, I love that. And I do think it's profound. And man, what a way to start a conversation, whether it's with a Mormon or an atheist or anyone, people recognizing that Jesus is enough. And I love that you bring out the power of the Word of God. And I think people really need to hear that because that right there is so, so important that people understand the power of the Word of God. And I do believe that part of being regenerated gives you a love for God's Word. And you can hear that coming out of Micah's testimony, hearing that the Word of God, going back and reading it 12 times. So maybe, how did what happened? You're, you're sitting there, and now for 18 months, you're reading the New Testament 12 times. Now you're coming and you recognize, wait a second, there's some differences here. Wait a second. I'm recognizing I'm saved by grace through faith, and it's a gift of God, uh, not by works, lest any man should boast. You're seeing all of that. What happens to you concerning the rest of, I guess, your fellow Mormon missionaries? Yeah, so it's funny because because of my zeal in Mormonism, I was immediately placed into leadership positions. And so from an early stage of my mission, I had a stewardship over several missionaries over which I had, you know, influence. And so as I was learning the biblical precepts that were being revealed to me in the word of God and learning the gospel, I was then beginning not only to live out these things through my daily life, but also in the things that I was teaching uh, my fellow missionaries. <laughs> and so um, it, it was amazing how how God was so sovereign over that part of my life that, that he was using the position that I was in to then influence uh, other people around me because I, I did garner the trust of my missionary peers because of my zeal. I mean, everybody knew um, how faithful and dedicated I was to God and to the church. And so as I was beginning to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, I, I started to share these things, you know, with, with my missionary peers, even with my family back home, with my girlfriend, and uh, naturally I couldn't contain it within myself, and that kind of started its own movement uh, within our mission that ultimately had its own repercussions for me personally. <laughs> yeah, you know, and in Passport to Heaven, and guys, I want you guys to please go pre-order this right now. Just if you're watching this interview, you're like, wow, I want to hear more. I want to get the details. Micah will give you the details in Passport to Heaven. You can go to PassportToHeavenBook.com and pre-order it. It comes out in June, so we're we're not very far away from these things being all over the place. And also, I want to encourage you guys, if you can, and I don't know when you guys are traveling, when that's all going down yet. I probably should have asked you already, but I know Adam's Road Ministry comes to churches and speaks, and I know with everything opening back up, this is a great time to try to find a way to book them. Get them at your church. And if you're listening here and you're like, dude, my pastor needs to hear this, go tell him, share this with him. 
and and make sure he knows. And and I want to I want to ask a couple more questions. I know, man, these things go really fast when I'm excited to talk about uh, your testimony, talk about your book, talk about your ministry. But I'd love for you to talk a little bit. You 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 basically were at this crossroad, right? When it comes to your mission, and you could basically either testify of the truth of the gospel, of the Mormon Church. You're still going to houses, right? Knocking on doors, sharing with them. And what are you sharing with somebody at the door when you're coming to realize that the Bible may say something a little different than what the Mormon Church is saying? Yeah, well, as I really started to to see the dissonance right between the the gospel that I had been raised believing and the biblical gospel, I I started to really just omit Mormonism from my teaching as a missionary and just emphasize Jesus and grace and and the Word of God as revealed in the Bible and not in the Mormon scriptures and. Uh, after I had fully become born again, that ended up leading me to a point on my mission where I actually gave a public testimony of my newfound faith in Jesus. And uh, I actually stood up in front of about 40 Mormon missionaries and my mission president and shared what I had learned throughout the course of my two-year mission. And of course, what I had learned was um, polar opposite of what I was supposed to have learned because I had lost my faith and testimony in the precepts of Mormonism, but I had gained a newfound faith and testimony in Jesus Christ alone. And so I stood up there and I said that the one thing that I had come to learn throughout the course of my mission was that Jesus was the only thing that I needed, that I was saved by his grace alone, that I had been clothed in his righteousness. And I now knew that I had a right standing with God. And it wasn't because of what you know I had done for God. It's because I had finally received by faith what God had done for me in sending Jesus to be the propitiation for my sins. And so that was kind of the, the nail in the coffin for me personally as far as um, you know, my future in the LDS church. And it was two days after that that I was called into my Mormon leader's office. Wow. You know, and one of the ways I would love to kind of summarize this up, not summarize this, but finish this, this interview up is to talk a little bit about, so you, you basically are, are kicked out, right? You're no longer a Mormon missionary, right? All of this, you know, you've come and you share. I mean, by the way, guys, how awesome is that? that God used him in, in a powerful way. And I'd love for you to finish up by telling us the reaction of maybe your girlfriend, your family, maybe some of the missionaries that heard you actually share that testimony and that truth with them. What was some of the reaction? And have you been shunned and turned away from your family? Or, or what, what has gone on since then? Yeah, when, when I faced that, that reality of knowing that I was never going to, to have the things that I knew and loved, um, I, I held on to Christ. And that's, that's my encouragement to anybody listening to this, is whatever cost that we're called to incur uh, for the sake of the gospel, that it's always going to be worth it. Because what we have in Christ is, is infinitely greater than anything we'll ever lose. And so as a 21-year-old kid, I knew that you know the relationships uh, with the people that I knew and loved would probably never be the same. But I also knew that, that God could use me in my weakness to plant the seeds of the gospel, um, because the word of God does not return void. And so I shared the gospel with my family, uh, with my girlfriend, um, to several of the missionaries you know, that I knew and loved, and God began to work in their hearts as well. And amazingly, I gave them really just the same challenge that Pastor Benson gave me, and that was read the Bible like a child. So my girlfriend was the first person to get saved. Uh, she was born again while she was a student at Brigham Young University. My brother and my sister uh, also came to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus uh, within just a few months. Uh, my parents obviously had a lot more at stake in all of this and a lot more to lose. My mother was a tenured professor at BYU, and my dad was a high priest in the LDS church, but God began to work in their hearts in the same way he worked in mine and revealed to them that there is a sufficiency and a supremacy found in Christ that that can be found nowhere else. And so to this day, my mom and dad have also been saved. Um, 
as well as a young missionary named Joseph Warren, uh, who was in that meeting when I shared that testimony. He also came to a saving faith in Christ and is now a full-time member of Adams Road, as is my brother. Um, so it, it's just amazing that God can save anybody anywhere at any time. And, and my encouragement to the listeners is when you see those Mormon missionaries, like think about me and think about the reality that one Baptist pastor who had the love in his heart to plant a seed of the gospel in me and look at all that's come to fruition because of that one seed that was planted. And as you mentioned, faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And how are they to hear unless someone preaches? So we have this this loving obligation to go out and proclaim the gospel to all of creation. Wow. Well, you know what? I, I'm not going to be able to end it any better than that. So I wanted to thank Micah Wilder so much for joining us on the Good Fight Radio Show. This has been absolutely a blessing. And I really hope what this serves as is hopefully this is an appetizer and that you go back and make sure you go to PassportToHeavenBook.com and pre-order this. And like I said, if you're involved in a church, get these guys to come to your church. Get people zealous for the truth and zealous to share the gospel as, you know, I, I remember the old Keith Green song, uh, you know, where he talks about that, you know, Jesus came from heaven to earth and you can't even get out of bed. You know, people are knocking on your door and you can't even go answer them. You got people knocking at your door. It's a great time to share the gospel with them. So I want to thank you so much, Micah, for joining us on the Good Fight Radio Show. And God bless you guys. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.